All right, and welcome back to your favorite place in the airspace for all things language, communication, and culture. As always, I'm your host, Bree, and today I am super excited about our topic. Uh, we are talking about time across cultures, time orientation, how people view time, their attitudes towards it, how they use it, and so on. Now, what got me thinking about this is I'm actually, and I'm sure some of my listeners, I'm sure some of our listeners can relate to this. I am a chronically late person, no matter how important something is, no matter how important it is to me. Um, I just cannot manage to be on time. I have a terrible sense of time itself. Um, I will think that I've been doing something for five minutes and it's been 25 minutes. Um, Or if I'm on the treadmill, I think I've been doing something for 25 minutes and it's been 30 seconds. Um, But in all seriousness, time orientation, like time just confounds me. I am always late. I'm always running behind, all those things. And I think it's somewhat genetic because it seems to run in my family as well. But Um, I have gone to other places in the world where this is not as much of a problem for people. Now, it's always been a problem for me, you know, with teachers, parents, coaches, bosses, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of people in America like you to be on time. Um, It is common courtesy here. It's it's considered extremely rude, disrespectful, inconsiderate, et cetera, et cetera, um, to be super late to be repeatedly late, things like that. And and this is the American concept of time, which makes sense when you think about how Americans view time. And we'll get into that in a minute here. Um, But what made me think about time in other cultures is I've been to some countries where this is not as much of an issue. Uh, Being late, lateness is not as negatively regarded. I've been to countries, especially um, in the in the Caribbean islands, where maybe I have a meeting with somebody, an appointment with somebody, and it is scheduled for 1.30, and then 1.30 happens, 1.45 happens, 2.30, 3.30, and, you know, around 3.45, 4 o'clock, maybe that individual shows up. Now, in America, this would be unacceptable, like just flat out unacceptable, Um but in these other countries, uh, it, it isn't. It isn't frowned upon at all. It's it's totally acceptable. It's the it's the rhythm of life. Now, I wasn't personally offended when this happened because I'm somebody who appreciates your lateness. If you're 15 minutes behind, I'm probably 20. So the extra time is always welcome. But I thought about this and I thought, man, I wonder where the best country in the world would be for my sense of time. Like, where would my sense of time just completely fit in with the status quo, the norm, where, you know, I don't feel like I'm fine. I'm constantly trying to make sure that I'm, you know, with the cultural expectation of time and how we keep time and things like that. And so I started doing a little research and thought, you know, this would be something cool to talk about on the podcast. So if you are like me or you're not like me, if you're just very aware of your sense of time at all take a listen and uh, I actually am really curious to see and you'll probably be curious to see where your sense of time would fit best so as we start talking about this there's two terms that we're kind of gonna section things off into there's linear active and multi-active time now linear active time is going to be very 
chronological. Um, it's ruled by the clock and the calendar. It's regulated. It's segmented. We're doing one task at a time. We have a to-do list. We are completing items A, then B, then C, then D, then E, and we're good to go. That's how we handle time. Now, multi-active time is very different. It is not as regimented. It's not as constructed. Um, it's a lot more related to a personality, and it's subjective. So where the focus with linear senses of time might be um, efficiency, productivity, making sure we're maximizing uh, you know, the result that we get from the effort that we put into whatever unit of time. Now, the, the priority with multi-active time isn't so much uh, a schedule so much as it is the relative thrill or significance of a meeting. Time is kind of an event. Um, so... For example, somebody who has a multi-active sense of time um, will push a meeting back or be late to a meeting or something like that because the current conversation that they're having maybe at a lunch date, a lunch appointment is important to them. Um, you know, they don't want to cut it off. They don't want to forego this human transaction, this relational transaction um, for time efficiency. Um, to prioritize, you know, human interaction over timeliness is very multi-active, uh, is a very multi-active sense of time quality. So who holds these senses of times culturally? Well, I'm sure you can already take a guess for the linear active time because when I read about linear active time, I thought, well, yeah, this is how time works. Um, <laughs> this is the only way that time works is if you regiment it and record it and schedule it. And so linear active time is absolutely very Western. It is prominent in America, Germany, Switzerland, the Netherlands. Um, and uh, one of the kind of the connecting feature that uh, linear active time presents in is anywhere that has been highly industrialized. So the Industrial Revolution, for example, in the late 19th century um, was a huge reason for the rise of kind of a linear sense of time or I don't even know if it's necessarily the rise, but um, the, the strengthening of a linear sense of time among the West. You know, when we were, you know, farmers, agriculture, things like that, we lived a lot of our day by the natural rhythm of the day. So when the sun came up, we were up. And when the sun went down, we went to sleep. Um, fun fact, I don't actually have any sources for this, so you don't have to believe me if you don't want to. But I did read somewhere that people actually used to get about 10 hours of sleep a night when we functioned this way when we went with the natural rhythm of our day and I am so jealous of all those people but back to our linear sense of industrialized time so linear time as expected I'm sure fits very well into a profit or production oriented society uh, much of which America is I mean we have this narrative about you know the American dream things like that if you work hard enough you know you can be wealthy um, and so on and so forth so the American attitude towards time is very much that the past is kind of the past. The past is done, it's over with, and we're moving on. The present, however, you can seize, you can take hold of it, you can parcel it, you can package it out, um, you can dole it out as you need to, to your advantage in the immediate future. So you can kind of use the present to arrange the future, to, to control the future, to manipulate the future, uh, you know, whatever it is that you're trying to do. 
we are a very future focused orientation of time uh, now this is actually almost predictable by the age of a country so america is a very young country um, so it makes sense that we're not very past oriented we don't have much of a past comparatively um, great britain is much more past oriented than we are which makes sense they have a pretty substantial country history they are much more used to reflecting on the past than we are and they've been around a lot longer. Uh, so younger countries tend to much less of the time be past focused. They tend to be future oriented uh, because when you're so young, um, much of what you have is only the future. Now, the way that we talk about time also really reflects that profit production orientation to our society. We talk about time being wasted. Uh, we talk about spending time, saving time, budgeting our time. Uh, we really, really talk about time as an asset to us. Um, you know, something, like I said, that can be appropriated for our purposes for the future. Um, you know, you talk about businessmen in the West that have um, quarterly projections. You know, they can tell you how much money they're going to make next year at a certain point. There is also a sense that if time is not being, you know, if you're not arriving to decisions or you're not executing actions, that time is being wasted. Um, a lot of other cultures, and this kind of made sense to me. I said, well, yeah, if you're not doing anything, you're not getting anywhere, then wouldn't that be a waste of time? Um, but a lot of other cultures do not see this this way, and we'll get into this when we discuss uh, multi-active time a little bit more. Uh, so linear fixed time is going to be monochronic, which means you're doing one task at a time usually on a fixed schedule in the name of efficiency, in the name of productivity, things like this. So that's kind of a summary of linear time, the different places that you can find it. Like I said, uh, America, Germany, Switzerland, definitely Switzerland with, you know, as much pride as they take in the clock. Um, and uh, the Netherlands, Place, like I said, generally places that have been industrialized experience some degree of linear time. Um, there's even some countries that traditionally have an eastern, uh, more eastern sense of multi-active time, but in the workplace, in the business place, they adhere a little bit more to a linear sense of time, um, at least on an official schedule. Now, we've talked about linear time, so what is multi-active time? Because linear time, that's familiar. Um, and some of us who maybe don't consider time so much, or time is a concept, um, aren't really aware of the ways in which your approach to time can be different. So multi-active time is a much more common time orientation in Southern Europe. So places like France, Italy, Spain, um, you know, other places around the world are, are much more interested in, um, you know, if they can do more things at a time, they're happier, they're more fulfilled, there is much less of an interest in schedules or punctuality. Uh, a lot of the times, especially in Southern Europe, people will pretend to observe linear time, especially if somebody with a linear sense of time suggests it. So let's say you're in a business meeting uh, in Spain, and you're an American, if you suggest, you know, to to meet, all right, let's meet at 9 a.m. sharp tomorrow, um, you know, people will, will pretend and say, yes, we'll do that. But you might have some people rolling in still at 9.15, 9.20 or so, um, because truly the cultural priority is just not on, um, you know, keeping such a rigid schedule of time. 
the reality is that, like I said previously, completing of human transactions is always viewed as the best investment of time in a lot of these cultures a priority is given to like i said the relative thrill or significance of a situation Um, present reality is more important than appointments Um, and this can definitely be frustrating cross-culturally for a number of different reasons people with linear active senses of time can view you know this this lateness this inability to adhere to a schedule, uh, things like that. They can view that as irresponsible, lazy, like I said, inconsiderate, rude, things that, you know, we hear a lot of in America if Americans are late for things. Now, to somebody with a multi-active sense of time, somebody insisting to adhere to a linear sense of time can appear cold, um, calloused, rushed, robotic, you know, all of those different kinds of things. You know, the, the idea that they don't just let life flow um, is is very strange, sometimes offensive. There's a little anecdote I found uh, that I thought was really funny and kind of exemplified this, uh, where let's say, you know, an Italian friend and a German friend go out for breakfast together. And uh, the Italian friend might show up and say, you know, why are you upset that I came at 930? And the German friend might say, well, because I wrote in my schedule nine. And the Italian friend might say something like, well, then write 930 and we'll both be happy. Uh, (laughs) And that's funny to me because I grew up with a linear sense of time. So but uh, very realistically, that kind of is the attitude, you know, this this idea that, okay, yes, we have something that we can choose to regiment by. But um, at the end of the day, it's it's much more arbitrary than the actual substantial interactions that I'm having. Um, And that is kind of, like I said, the multi-active time priority sense. I even saw there was a little diagram in one of the articles that I read um, that showed linear active time schedules versus multi-active time schedules. And one of them was linear active time. And it was, you know, from this time to this time, you do task A. And this time to this time is task B. And then this time to this time is task C and D and E and F and so forth. And then everything's done and you go home. And then it had the same graph under a multi-active use of time. And I think the first one was from like 9 a.m. to 5 a.m. And everything started at right, right at 9 a.m. and was done by 5 p.m. with uh, the linear active time. And the, the multi-active time graph started at 9 a.m. And then you see that task A starts at about 9.30. And maybe it's supposed to run from 9 to 10, but you started at 9.30 and maybe it went until about 10.45 because you got caught up in another conversation. Um, and then task B is running into 11.30 and that's running into lunch. Um, and so task E. D and E get kind of done quickly after lunch at the end of the day and task F might completely fall off, get canceled, rescheduled or happen at a pub later. Uh, (laughs) which if you're asking me to pick between those two things, I'm fine with, uh, you know, dropping some things off my schedule, ending the day at a pub. That sounds like whatever time orientation that is, that's the one I would like to be in. (laughs) But uh, anyway, so researching this, it was just so shocking to me, like I said, somebody who grew up in America in the West, um, to think about this very loose sense of time in a professional setting uh, because that is my my natural orientation to time. That's my natural sense of time. But um, I combat that, you know, to, to fit into a very linear sense of time in my professional life. And so the fact that this is like professionally acceptable, like like the, the idea that you could walk in 30 minutes after lunch and say hi to your boss and that's not like a red flag, a conversation, you know, that that's just so 
truly foreign, uh, <laughs> literally foreign to, to a lot of our understandings of time in the West. And then in the East, there is an even different understanding of time. Now, this time is kind of similar to, like I said, that of like Southern Europe, where schedules and clocks definitely are not as important as they are in linear Western time. So in the East, time is often viewed as cyclical. And part of this has to do, uh, you know, with a lot of the Buddhist roots in a lot of different Eastern countries, um, because time itself is, is theologically considered cyclical in Buddhism. Um, it's viewed as cyclical. It is not viewed as scarce, uh, which sounds so relaxing. I think we're, we're running so often on, on an idea that time is scarce. It is a finite resource and we need to take it captive so much. That is not the view in the East. It is cyclical. It is not scarce. Uh, there's a saying that when God made time, he made plenty. Um, and what do you mean by cyclical? Uh, well, the seasons come and the seasons go and the seasons come back again. The day begins, the day ends, and then it begins again. Um, lives live in cycles. Um, definitely, you know, with the idea of reincarnation being much more prominent in the East, lives literally are cycles at that point. And so time has this cyclical view where it's not scarce at all. You know, there's there's not a sense of, of rush you know, whatever you feel that you're going to miss out on on this season or that you're rushing to get this season will come back to you in the next. In the East, you know, a, a train can be hours um, or even a full day late and it's not very disruptive or upsetting to the culture. One of the speculations for this is that countries with a very, very long history, of course, you know, we talk about Great Britain having a longer history than the United States, but still even longer. I mean, thousands and thousands of years, some of these, um, you know, civilizations go back. And so when we're talking about, you know, that length of history, one of the theories for this, you know, very calm, I don't want to say unconcerned, but, you know, much less anxious view of time is that when you have so, so much past to look back on, a couple minutes, a couple hours is, is you know, nothing. It's, it's pocket change. It's, it's, it's hardly significant. So that's one of the assumed reasons for this kind of um, attitude towards time, you know, that are, that are kept with the natural rhythm of life. So we've, we've kind of explored a couple of cultural things that can play into time. Uh, one of them is, you know, the, the, the how young or old a country or a civilization is can predict what kind of time orientation there will be. Um, the level of industrialization in a country will predict, um, you know, will serve as a predictor for time orientation. Um, cultural priorities, you know, money, productivity, relationships, religious philosophies that have been passed down or that have become ingrained in culture, those can be predictors for senses of time. And then there's two more things I want to share with you that can definitely be predictors for time. One is a population size. Now, this makes a lot of sense because it is much easier to keep things running smoothly and orderly with a big group of people if you have something regimented, across the board, uniform. It's easy to implement. Um, and so and so linear time is much easier to implement if you have, you know, if you live in a big city, things like that. They even did a study, uh, big cities move 
literally faster than smaller rural towns. Um, there's almost a perfect correlation between walking speed and population size, which I found so interesting and so accurate. I've lived in very metropolitan areas most of my life, um, you know, very populated, urban, you know, suburban, but definitely still metro kind of metropolitan areas. And I feel like I walk so much faster constantly than my family who lives in, you know, the small town south um, or my friends who have lived in more rural areas. Uh, it, it's hilarious. So walking speed literally correlates to population size because population size um, is often a predictor of sense of time. Bigger populations have more of a tendency to follow linear time. Now, the other predictor is, like I said, cultural values. Um, and we got a little bit into this with the profit and production versus relational. But individualistic cultures move faster than collectivist cultures. So a lot of cultures in the East are very collective. They're about the success and the uh, vitality of the community, of the family, of the household. Um, in the West, there is much an emphasis on the individual, you know, being yourself, your individual needs, your desires. Independence is a big value over here. And so that also affords a lot more of a linear time, uh, not to make it sound, you know, cruel or, or heartless or anything, but an individualistic culture um, doesn't force you to consider other people as much as a collectivist culture will. So it is absolutely easier to kind of move through things at the speed of light, um, you know, get tasks done or prioritize having those tasks done over other things. So that sense of uh, individual over collective is also a really accurate and important, I think, factor in predicting the time orientation of other cultures. That is what we have on time around the world. Um, I would love to hear where you think you would fit in. I'm not necessarily sure yet where exactly I would fit in. I think Spain sounds pretty good, quite frankly. They seem to be very multi-active, a lot more caught up in the present reality or the present moment. Um, France and, and Spain are, are very present-oriented. Great Britain would be past-oriented. United States would be future-oriented. Um, and so that present moment, I think, would be so, so great for me personally because I get caught up in the moment, like I said. If I'm caught up in something, I don't know if it's been five minutes or 25 minutes. So now that I have found a new home <laughs> for my sense of time, a, a new place I can go visit and fit right in, I would love to know where you guys think your sense of time fits best. Um, if there is another country I missed, if there's another aspect of time that you know you know about that you think would fit better, we would love to hear about it. Uh, we are on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook. You can find us on Instagram and on Snapchat. Uh, so let us know where you think your sense of time fits best. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this. I had a lot of fun. I, for one, had a fantastic time with you today that was awful i apologize but <laughs> that is what we have got on time thank you so much for tuning in uh, like i said find us on our social media and we will see you next friday